Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining us at www.sonic-cinema.com. The month of October is done and with it my annual uh, watching of horror movies throughout the month of October. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be joined a couple of times in the past month with uh, by my friends Phil and Heather to discuss their thoughts on the genre and the things that interest them about the genre. And I, it seemed fitting to uh, close out a uh, group of these episodes talking about horror with uh, a friend who does his own binging on the horror genre throughout the uh, month of October, Marv Dickey. Uh, you'll remember him a few episodes back. We talked about a short film, The House on Oak Street, that he uh, submitted to me. We talked about that. We talked about criticism, filmmaking, and all that stuff. Uh, today, we're going to talk about some of our uh, favorite movies that we uh, took in for the first time this past month, as well as taking a look at the favorite films of ours of uh, all time for the horror genre, so um, please welcome uh, Marv Dickey as we uh, wrap up this month of horror. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, it is my uh, pleasure to welcome back to the podcast uh, good friend Marv Dickey, who is a horror enthousi enthusiast himself and uh, also does a uh, annual uh, binge-watching of horror films throughout the month of October, and I wanted to bring him in to sort of wrap up our respective months of uh, watching horror films and uh, just sort of talk about the ones that we enjoyed most as far as uh, the ones we were introduced to this past month in our respective watching, as well as our uh, favorite movie, favorite horror movies of all time. So thank you very much for joining me again, uh, Marv. Hi, thanks for having me back. And uh, so I personally, and it it's funny, going back on my list, it occurred to me I didn't watch nearly as many uh, new movies in the long run as I thought I did. I thought I was going to watch a whole lot of new movies, and I kind of did. I, I think I saw at least 12 to 10 to 12 or so, which is not insignificant, but... If if memory serves on uh, you, how many did you watch? How many movie horror movies did you watch this past month? Um, I I watched fifteen new ones. Okay, and that's something you do, and that's something you do. Like you, you almost entirely devote your because uh, I know on Facebook you like count down uh, the. Uh, horror movies that you watch, almost exclusively those are new ones, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's... Every, yeah, every October I like to uh, watch 50 horror movies, and I have a theme every year, and this year was 50 horror movies I hadn't seen before. Okay. Yeah, but, and I know you... Yes. Go ahead. No, I you can go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, and I... Yeah, I mean, you you definitely... I think I started off watching quite a few new ones, um, but uh, I ended up getting back into a routine of just watching ones that I had seen before. Some of them are ones for uh, my movie a week for Sonic Cinema. Some of them are ones that I always watch every uh, every October. And then, uh, yeah, just, just other ones that I hadn't seen. Some of them I hadn't seen in a while. Some of them are recent ones that I really enjoyed. Um, but I think, especially starting out, I watched a uh, good number of ones that were new to me. And uh, some of them were good. Some of them were entertaining, but not necessarily terribly for, uh, memorable. Some of them were uh, pretty good. And then... Uh, there were only a handful I thought that were truly, truly memorable to me. And but uh, to to start off with you for a bit, uh, what were some of the ones of the fifty new ones that you saw that uh, really uh, that you were able to get excited about and really enjoyed? Well, first off, let me say when I tasked myself with 
watching 50 horror movies in 31 days, there's going to be a lot of garbage, especially when it comes to the horror genre. Um, I was just, I, I was taking a few suggestions to, from friends, like on Facebook and in person. And uh, for mostly, I was scrolling uh, Netflix, Hulu, uh, on like uh, Comcast On Demand. I was just looking for those and, and a few of the DVDs that I had bought that I, uh, movies that I had come to. And there was a, there was a few of them I was looking forward to. That's why I kind of pushed them off to, to the end of the month to mm-hmm. try to like, because I knew I was going to come across that. It, it's, it's low budget horror here and there, you know, you can't, they're not definitely not all going to be winners. And, and I know that going into it because I've seen enough to, to understand the uh, the ratio of good to bad when it comes to the horror genre, mm-hmm. but uh, it was probably I was probably fifteen to twenty movies in before I found something that I would watch again. And I and I I judge it like I'll, I have kind of a rating system of uh, you know like great, good, okay, meh, <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah, bad, bad, terrible, and the worst. You know, mm-hmm. kind of it's. it's this month I was just kind of judging on like, is it good? Is it bad? Or would I watch it again? Would I purchase it? Mm-hmm. You know, if I came across it like in a, in a bargain bin or something. And, uh, there's really only like six movies that stood out to me at all that I would rewatch. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of, um, there was a lot of okay movies, but it wasn't all garbage, but there was a lot of like, like what? What am I doing with my life? Moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that was. And it, and... No, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, sorry. Let's just say it's just uh, it's just low budget horror. It's mm-hmm. with, with, when you're a fan of horror, and I have been all my life. Uh, it's just you you kind of look for you look for diamonds in the rough, mm-hmm. and that's the best way I could have described it this month. Is I found. I found a couple gems, but I only found like two true like diamonds. Yeah. But I really enjoyed, and I can't wait to watch again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was I was sort of the same way. I would say I would say about five or six of them uh, really stood out to me for one way or one reason or another, and are ones that I would probably rewatch. I mean, there were other ones like I finally rewatched. I finally watched the original My Bloody Valentine, and that was good. Um, I watched uh, this one from uh, 1980 called New Year's Evil that, that I had heard about on this one podcast that I listened to, and that was it was one that I listened that I watched mainly because I just heard about it, and it's like eh, it's available on Hulu. I'll check it out, and it's not anything I'm necessarily going to watch again. Um, oh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you and I sort of talked about it. It's like when I posted about it, it's like I finally watched uh, James Wan's Dead Silence, which is the only one of his major films I hadn't seen yet. And that was just incredibly stupid. It was just really bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I point. You would, say, you, you would go as far as to say that movie was full of a bunch of dummies. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> well, and that the thing is, it was yeah, wah, wah. <laughs> and it was basically it it was basically Nightmare on Elm Street with ventriloquism, and it's like really that's that was such a yeah. stupid yeah. premise, and it's like so if, if Freddy Krueger is reimagined as an evil Jeff Dunham, yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, there were some. Recent ones that I'd seen that I finally saw uh, from earlier this year, the Black Coat's Daughter, which I enjoyed, was not anything terribly uh, terribly memorable to me. It was okay, it had an interesting hook, but it just wasn't terribly. It's not something I'm going to watch over again. I watched the Bye Bye Man, which came out earlier this year. That was okay. It was. Again, it was sort of like a good hook, but it's not something I'm going to watch over again. Uh, and even though I don't know how, I kind of see how it's considered a horror movie, but it came out earlier. It came out in October. The 
the snowman, the Michael Fassbender movie was really stupid. And there were so many, apparently that was one where it's like, it's based on, it's based on a book and as part of a book's detective series. And it's kind of trying to be like silence of the lambs type thing, but it just doesn't work. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that supposedly, according to the director, they didn't shoot like 10 to 15% of the script for some reason. I think it was uh, budgetary con uh, constrictions, which is stunning considering the fact that it was produced by uh, Universal. But that right. was that was definitely one of the... Uh, yeah, overall, like, this this year in horror is kind of, has been really hit or miss. Um, I I think for something, there was, you know, I mean, there was the It miniseries, the, there was the It uh, film adaptation that I really loved, and uh, one of the Oh, ones, I enjoyed that, man. Yeah, and one of the ones that I really enjoyed and that was new to me that I saw in this past month was... Uh, Netflix uh, adaptation of Gerald's Game, the Stephen King story, uh, with, <clears throat> and uh, that was probably one of my favorite uh, new horror movies uh, from the past month or so. And it's sitting in my uh, it's sitting on my list right now. We need to be watched. Yeah, and I do want to watch. Uh, what was that? I'll say I want to go back to the snowman that you had mentioned. Yeah. You are one of three friends who have told me to avoid this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but not really. You didn't tell me to avoid it. You just said it was bad. And yeah. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't, didn't come out well. It's it's just... And, uh, and I had two others that were just like, hey, uh, you're you're not going to like it. Just, you don't need to bother. You don't need to bother with this. You don't, don't waste your time. But yeah. when... Tell me about about you know because horror obviously is my favorite genre. If when people tell me that, I have to see it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, why are I you mean, warning me? I would wait until it's on like Netflix or something like that to where you don't have to pay anything to see it. Because oh, if that's, you that's are usually, going to see it, I mean, I would, I would, you know, I would that's wait. Usually, the that. route I'll take. But uh, the route I'll take when people <laughs> say that movie's bad. I'll just, I'll be like, all right, I got to see it, but not, I'm not paying a dime to see it. I'll just, I'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I, I think, well, my, uh, but I already mentioned uh, Gerald's Game, the Stephen King adaptation uh, Netflix did as being one of my favorite uh, horror discoveries, even though, I mean, it, it, it came out this year. So it feels, it feels like that's a bit of a cheat. Um, to put on there because it just came out this month. I mean, everybody's discovering that one. So, um, I think, but that was, it was still one of my, but it was still one of my favorite, uh, horror movies from the past month or so. Um, Excellent. I think as far as, uh, I think as far as older movies, I mean, I think the, the first one that I saw this month is probably one of the, it's not a great movie. It's not something that I'm necessarily. It's not one that I would consider adding to the collection, but was it's something I would consider watching over again. And that is a uh, Toby Hooper's uh, The Fun House from 1981. Uh, oh. It's it's an entertaining movie set in a set in a carnival, and uh, it's it's got some decent moments of horror, but for the most part, like it basically boils down to how well, like the last third of that movie really works for you, and I felt like it kind of did. Had you seen that one yet? Yes, I watched that one when I was a young boy, mm -hmm. and I and I revisited it when I was a teenager as well. I haven't watched it since probably mid nineties, maybe mm -hmm. even earlier nineties. Yeah, uh, but I I enjoy it because I've always been I've always been attracted to clowns. <laughs> And in the whole carnival atmosphere, yeah, the circus carnival, uh, and it could, I just love that atmosphere. And and, and then I'm drawn to those type of movies, like um, absolutely like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I've, I've watched that a hundred times. 
Yeah. It's, it's just cheese. The Funhouse was, for me, my memories are a good event movie that I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's got some... Plus, it's, it's Toby. Yeah. It's yeah, and I mean, worth it. Yeah, and I'm I'm still kind of getting caught up on his his stuff. I mean, there there are some of his films I know I've seen, like obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I want to say I saw Poltergeist when I was a kid, but I don't remember seeing it, so I need to see it again. Uh, well, there's and, a controversy. There's a controversy whether or not did how, how much did he truly direct of, of Poltergeist. A lot of people say it was uh, mostly. Spielberg, and because yeah. him and Spielberg were, were friends, they you know they slapped his name on it. So Spielberg, you know, it, it's something to do with um, Hollywood. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, the more I've read about the more I've read about uh, that production, the more it's like, wow, that is so weird. It was it's just <laughs> such a weird production. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it's like so. So Hooper was like on set. He was filming. He he was like basically saying, and like both him and Spielberg were collaborating on like setups and stuff like that. And it's like okay, that's interesting. But I mean, I know technically speaking, he couldn't be. I know one of the things I read that it's like technically speaking, he couldn't um, take directorial credit because of the fact that he was working on ET at the time. And that was right. so. There was a contractual obligation there that you couldn't actually take credit for Poltergeist, and it's like, yeah, it's that's it. It's fascinating to, yeah. I mean, that's I think that's one of the things that's always made me uh, curious about that movie since I've been aware of the controversy as to who directed it or not. Right, and the the whole rumor that uh, Spielberg wanted Hooper to. Uh... Direct ET. Yeah, um, it won't, it's like imagine. I, I couldn't imagine <laughs> anybody else behind the helm of ET. Oh yeah, Spielberg. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the biggest ET fan. Mm-hmm. The movie's good for what it is, but uh, yeah, I never. Growing up, I was never like. I was more like give me uh, give me Alien and Aliens, you know, Ridley yeah. Scott stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me that. Instead of like ET, I'm like, why is this hard? This is cool and all, but. Mm-hmm. You know, where's the murder? I'm yeah. an awful little child. <laughs> well, supposed the, to horror too young. Enjoyed it too much. Yeah, and and you know, it's like Toby Hooper directing ET is one of those things where it's like you can't help but think of what that movie would have been like. I mean, it could very well been because of the fact that it was another Spielberg production. It could have been another one where it's like you have controversy over who really directed it. But I mean. You know, it's like Toby Hooper directing something like E.T. is sort of akin to the idea of the idea of ever David Lynch directing Return of the Jedi. It's like it's interesting to think about, but it it kind of makes you wonder just like especially with the Lynch thing. I've always I've started to come to the idea that it's like chances are it wouldn't have been as far out of a movie as people are expecting just and the right. the reason is because of with with Jedi George Lucas was still the creative force behind the movie and I'm fairly certain he would not have he would have kept uh Lynch's more twisted impulses sort of on a very short leash so I oh, mean, yeah. he, he would have been a director for for hire on Jedi it's like he wouldn't have it's it's not like you will have gotten a racer head for on that movie, but uh, right, yeah, yeah. There, there's been I mean you know because it's it's all about the meshing of styles you know when you you're like well Lynch was gonna direct you know Jedi it's like holy cow and you, all you think is Elephant Man and Racerhead yeah Twin Peaks and and then when you mix it with Star Wars universe it's you know it's there's not going to be any weird, you know, dance routines with, with Wookiees and Ewoks, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, I, yeah, I think... You, the, you know, like the radiator scene from uh, from uh, uh, Racerhead and the, the dancing girl. And, yeah. Oh, I'm not remembering that right. I think oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's been a couple of years since I've seen a Racerhead, but yeah, I've... I've 
Yeah, I, I, I have you know, a pretty decent memory on the movie. Yeah. I think we're straying. I think we're starting to stray <laughs> for, from the, the topic at hand, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Should we round it back? Round it, take it back home. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are what are uh, what are uh, you know? We've already talked about a couple of the movies that I really. Uh, I I saw for the first time this month and uh, really liked. What were uh, some of your choices? Well, uh, I have to say one of the one of them I came across that I hadn't seen, and I am surprised I hadn't seen because it was from nineteen nineteen eighty one. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, I can't. I think eighty one. It's called The Burning. Okay. It was a Friday the Thirteenth clone. Yeah. Where you know. Something bad happens at a summer camp in years earlier, and now you know they're back for more. Like, and they use the they use the legend of Cropsey. Yeah, uh, it's a I believe it's just an East Coast mm-hmm. um, urban legend. If Cropsey will come get you, just to scare children to go to bed and you know be right <laughs> to act right. Um, but anyways, uh, I was, it was I was very surprised how good that movie was, but. Then again, uh, Tom Savini bailed on uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Two to do this one mm-hmm. to, to to do the special effects for it. So the special effects were top notch, of course, for the time. To the time, yeah. Tom Savini is a big you know. Him and uh, Greg Nicotero are like uh, neck and neck for greatest of all time, so to speak. Especially mm-hmm. now, The Walking Dead. Like yeah. But anyway, so the, um, it was uh, it's really good. It, it was really good for what it is. And uh, I think it doesn't get as much uh, recognition that it should. I was very, I was very surprised, and I enjoyed it a lot. And it's fun to see little young uh, George Costanza trying to, uh, you know, run around, get with the ladies. He's trying to be a, a suave ladies' man. He plays the character that in every camp movie, there's that one guy character who can get you anything you want. You know, what you, what do you need? I, I can yeah. get you. He was that. He was that character, and. And uh, it's just good. And I, I'm trying to remain spoiler-free for people mm-hmm. you know, who haven't seen it. But they should go check it out. It's worth a watch. And, and of course, it's old, yeah, so to speak. It, you know, it's, it's over 45, 45, 35 years yeah. <laughs> old. So it's, you're going you're gonna, to you place yourself in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it when, when, when I suggest a movie and someone's like, I can't watch it. Why not? Well, because it's so old. It's like, you can't, you can't just suspend disbelief and go back 30 years. Yeah, it's like, and the thing is, it's like, for me, even though, yeah, it is 30 plus years now, it's like, the 80s are not that old. It's like, they're, it's still like in my lifetime. I mean, the 40s are old. The 20s are old. Yeah. The 80s are not old yet. It's like, they're still no, within my lifetime. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I refuse to to accept that term old for the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Until I'm, I'm, I'm walking... Wait, I already walked with a camp. Mm. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I've, I've heard of the burning. burning. Yeah, I, I've heard of the burning because of the fact that they did mention on the uh, 80s All Over podcast, which I listened to. And uh, that was actually one of the first Miramax films, too. The Weinsteins actually had a hand in making that. So, yeah. Oh, my trouble for proving of a Harvey Weinstein production. Eh, no, I mean, I'm I'm still kind of curious in seeing it, but, you know, it's like, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just one of those, uh, it's just one of those uh, interesting little uh, pieces of information. Where did you watch that from? Is that one that you have? Um, yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, got a hold of a hold of a copy. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's um, it's it's, it's definitely and you know me, I'm a I'm a sucker for summer camp stuff. So this past summer, I even did a whole like I, I watched like ten or twelve different summer camp movies just because I thought it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's that time the time frame the. Late seventies to mid eighties was huge for not even just horror genres like comedy and drama. You know, they like Little Darling. Yeah. Uh, of summer camp, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just 
from Sleepaway Camp to like the Burning and the, the Friday Thirteenth films. And you got your Poison Ivies and stuff, and I'm just a sucker for that stuff. And yeah. if you enjoy it in, in, as well, then you should definitely. If you haven't seen the Burning, give it a watch. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's it, it is a Friday Thirteenth clone. It's a who who's who done it, but yeah, it's it's enjoyed. And I think I think we've run the gambit on talking about the burning for a little bit. <laughs> I don't want this podcast to be three hours long because I spend a half hour in each movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. But then the, another one that I that I, I had bought the DVD uh, from a bargain bin at my local game shop um, probably two years ago and I hadn't got to it and it's the only Rob Zombie directed film I hadn't seen. And it was Lords of Salem, mm-hmm. and I picked that up. I picked it up for like five bucks or four bucks or whatever it was, and uh, and I I just put it off, put it off. I don't know why. I just never watched it, and then I, I decided to pop it in. It was it was number fifty for mm-hmm. me. It was the last last film I watched, and I absolutely uh, thought it was excellent. I, I enjoyed it. It's his homage to witch films and like I guess witchcraft and possession films okay okay yeah i mean i've been i've been a bit i i saw house of a thousand corpses when it came out and i hated it so it's like i've been a bit um hesitant to watch anything else rob zombie has had but i mean has has done but i mean i've i've heard good things i i've heard interesting things about lords of salem and i've also heard good things about uh devil's rejects as well which I know it was a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. So, I mean, at some point, I am, I will probably get into, start to get into his, some of his movies more. But, uh, right. Yeah, he, he's, he's it's, somebody I just haven't quite gotten into yet. So, he directed the, uh, the animated film, uh, El Super Bisto, I believe is <laughs> it. It's, it's, it's unbelievably out of your mind crazy and it is fun and it is funny and it is to me it's it's really really entertaining and good mm-hmm. I, I like i like that one a lot but i was a fan of uh in high school i'm gonna date myself here uh in high school i was a big fan of white zombie mm-hmm. his, his original the yeah. first man that he had a success with I loved him. I watched him on Headbangers Ball because he, he used to show up every week to, to Headbangers Ball and he painted the backdrop. And it took him like a whole season to finish this backdrop because he's a fantastic artist. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and I, I've kind of followed, followed his career. Like he, he directed the uh, the peyote tripping segment and being some butthead to America because <laughs> uh, you could tell that's all his art. And, um, and I was like, hey, that looks like Rob Zombie stuff. And come to find out, it is you know. And I've been I've been a fan of his. And when uh, you know he went solo, I was it was everything was fantastic. And then when I heard he directed House of a Thousand Horses, I had to seek that movie out. And mm-hmm. I got lucky that it did it did come to a local theater. And and I absolutely fell in love with it. And you will see when we get to our favorites of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> little little uh, um. But yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of his. I just didn't get around to like uh, El Super Bisto so this past summer uh, and Lord of Salem mm-hmm. just now. His, his Halloween movies leave a lot to be desired, but I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard very mixed things about... I've, I've heard, heard dramatically mixed things about his Halloween movies, so it's like that's part of why I didn't necessarily bring him up and it's like I'm not terribly I mean like if I if I do get into his work I mean that might be sort of like the the last stuff I get to just because of the fact that I mean a there's a perfectly great version of Halloween that John Carpenter did and then b like I've heard such mixed things about his Halloween movies that's like yeah we'll we'll see what happens when if I ever get to that point, so I would say nine out of ten people who watched those movies probably dislike it, mm-hmm. and probably nine and a half out of ten dislike the second one. 
Yeah, I've heard nothing good about the second one. It's like it's the first one that I feel like has a mixed reputation. So, um, and I hate it. I hate. I hate it because I'm I'm a big fan of Rob Zombie, obviously, um, but I'm also like I'm a fan of the Halloween series. Yeah, you know, you're talking to a guy who who like I love season of the witch. <laughs> <laughs> so for me to be like, this is a bad Halloween movie, mm-hmm. like. When I, when I say Susan the Witch is, is fantastic and is, it needs to be be shared around the world. <laughs> yeah. When most people are like, Susan of the Witch, ugh. You know, and, but yeah, it's, it, it hurts my heart. And mm-hmm. plus, um, Taylor Maine, I think is his name. Tyler Maine. He, he played uh, Sabretooth in the original X-Men movie. With, uh, okay. Uh, like two, yeah, he, he, is, he plays Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. in those movies and, and I'm a fan of his because he used to be a professional wrestler in the early 90s yeah he, and I'm a huge professional wrestling fan uh, but yeah I, I root for I root for my favorites and when they have miserable performances and products I I feel bad for them but I'm also not gonna be like I'm not gonna lie and lie to myself and everybody else and say it's good just cause I like them yeah um, but speaking of liking them uh, I'm kind of I'm starting to become a fan of uh, Pruitt Taylor events. Pruitt Taylor events. Are you familiar with him? I I've um, seen I've seen I've seen him in a few movies. I'm trying to remember all of the ones I've seen him in. But I mean I I I know I've seen the actor and I let's see the one I think that sticks out with me f- with him. Although I know I've seen him in other ones is uh, Nurse Betty, the Renee Zellweger movie that. Actually, it you know it's not horror, but I mean it's something that I, that is a movie that I just he's really good in. Um, right, and he's also known as Otis from season two of The Walking Dead. Okay, all right. Yes, the big and he was also the mental patient uh, in Identity, I believe, with uh, John Cusack. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's right. Williams yes, movie. yes. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that, but no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's that's another movie that deserves a little more recognition for what mm-hmm. it is, and it, it really is the uh, the, the Agatha Christie uh, Terminal Indians. Yeah, um, yeah, everyone. Yeah, you got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's he was in a movie that I really really enjoyed. It's only an hour and twenty minutes with credits, but it's it's got a heavy metal soundtrack. It's got uh, it's an awesome, awesome story. It's called The Devil's Candy. And it start, also stars Ethan Emery. Ethan okay. Emery is... Um, Kevin Smith's films, uh, right? Uh, yeah, wait. No. No, no, well, sorry. That's Ethan please. sorry. I know, oh, yeah, I know Ethan uh, Emery's been in other stuff. I just been stuff. Was, I can't uh, remember who else, what else. Empire Records. He was the crazy Mark that wanted to, to have a band. He was in Dutch. He was he was uh, Ed O'Neill's uh, tra- his his charge in that movie where he went to get his girlfriend's kid from hmm. military school, and uh, that's the little Ethan Emery. Uh, just freaky links. He just he, he's been in just a, a ton a ton of stuff. But um, oh, uh, I think he's also well known for Can't Hardly Wait. He played Preston. Okay. Him and Jennifer, he had a big brush on Jennifer and Hewitt and all that stuff in the movie. But yeah, he um, he's he's a just a an unconventional father, a big metalhead artist, and he and his his wife and his teenage daughter, who's you know he's got her into heavy metal and his wife's into heavy metal too. Uh, they get they buy this new home, uh, and it used to be the home of the the character played by uh, Pruitt. Taylor events and he is completely on the spectrum. He's mentally challenged and dangerous. And he used to live there until his parents, you know, died. Mm-hmm. And they, they died in a questionable manner as well. And he's not on his meds, so he has to he has to play his his electric guitar really loud, like in the middle of the night, just so he beat the voices like he plays it over the voices. And he hasn't been taking his meds, and he shows up on their their new doorstep, their new home, their new home, and saying it's time to he and he's to come home now. Mm-hmm. Not his home anymore, but 
because he's off his meds, he is a very, very dangerous man. And awful things begin to happen to this family. A little supernatural going on, a little bit, uh, a little bit of evil hanging out in the house and in his, in his new studio and stuff. But I, it is, it's fantastic. The, the, the movie is a lot of fun to watch and I can't wait to watch it again with, you know, new eyes. Cause whenever you watch yeah. a, a, another movie, the second time you, you know, it's coming, you're familiar, you're not figuring things out. You're just starting to enjoy it and try to pick up on the little nuances that you missed. Yeah. And I highly recommend that one. The most candy. It's on Netflix right now. Okay. If, if anybody would like to check it out. Okay. Well, one movie that I saw from uh, Netflix uh, this past month that I really enjoyed was uh, The Legend of Hell House. It's based on a story by uh, Richard Matheson, and it's about a uh, group of paranormal uh, detectives who uh, stay in a haunted house with a reputation and uh, try to solve the mystery of it. Uh, It's 70s, it's British, it's uh, got Roddy McDowell in it. Um, it's really, it was really, uh, there's some really good, uh, horror set pieces as far as, uh, as, as far as, uh, the terror of the house and the, uh, just the concept of it. And basically it's the whole, I, in, in the end there becomes this whole supernatural versus a uh, scientific angle of the, uh of the story that comes to light as far as uh, what exactly is causing the horror in the movie. And that was that was one that really stuck out to me. It was one that I really enjoyed watching for the first time. It's one that I'll probably go back to at some point. Um, over the years, I love the score of it. I thought it was, it was just a really great um, 70s electronic... Uh, score for horror and it was really effective so that was that was one that i really liked and that was on netflix uh as well i like that movie a lot Mm -hmm. i rented it a few times uh in the 90s uh from hollywood video everybody oh hey that's that's a blast in the past yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, Hollywood Video in the 90s had it. And I was like, oh, I've heard good things. And I finally got my hands on a copy. And I rented it, wound up renting it like probably two or three times. Mm-hmm. And I did it. I did. I do enjoy it. I did enjoy it. And the score is pretty good. But there's a lot of old, like, even the Hammer films have great scores. Yeah. Like, they, they, they hired the right people when it came to, to writing the music and the scores and all that for, for those. But Legend of Hell House is, is, mm-hmm. uh, it's good memories for me. I'll just put it that way. It's good memories. Yeah. Uh, one of the other uh, movies that I uh, discovered, and was actually one that uh, a filmmaker that I had reviewed previously on Sonic Cinema actually sent me. Uh, it was They actually sent it me back in May, but I finally got to it this this month. And uh, it was called The Matinee, or The Midnight Matinee. It's a 46-minute anthology film. It's basically a collection of uh, short films that uh, the writer and director did, basically framed as a an old uh, short film uh, programming from the silent era. And so you have these title cards that basically introduce each respective film, but the films are very contemporary. Um, four of them... One of them is not quite a uh, horror film. It's more of a it's is more of a thriller. It's more of a film noir type thing. But all of them have a uh, all of the films in there have a uh, sense of unease about them uh, for one reason or another. And and it was it was a collection. The the director had previously done a one of the earlier uh, found footage movies, The Break-In, uh, that I saw last year and really liked, thought it was really good. And um, this one, like, it's on Amazon uh, right now, and it is uh, the matinee matinee. It's only 46... Or the midnight matinee. It's only 46 minutes long. It's got five shorts. All of the... None of the shorts overstay their welcome. Um, all of them oh, are very, 
are very effectively structured and very effectively uh, paced towards like you you get the maximum amount of impact for them. So uh, that was that was another one of the newer films that I had gotten a chance to see this this year. And like I said, it's on Amazon. Excellent. That's that's the worst when you're watching anthology movies and there's you know with that one that one little short segment that should only be like 15 minutes at tops and it winds up going 30. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like that. I'm like, uh, go make your own movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's funny. It's like, I, I don't want to talk sacrilege about it because I do absolutely love the movie, but it's like, uh, I showed our friend, uh, Ron creep show for the first time this, this month. And, uh, oh, he hadn't seen that movie? He hadn't seen it. He, and the thing yeah. is, he's, he's not a big horror person. So it's like, right. I, I dig, but I did get to get him to, you know, sit down and watch some horror with me. And, uh, yeah, so I show him Creep Show. And, uh, yeah, it's like some of, I think, you know, some of those, the pacing and some of those segments, feels kind of off at times. I mean, there's still a great amount of fun. And I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't get rid of any of the segments, but uh, it it's just that, like, especially the first one feels very long to me. The Jordy Verrill one with Stephen King uh, is entertaining, oh, but the, um, probably goes a little too long. The, the, the where he... Uh... He's going to take the meteor up to college. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're going to get $200 for yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. I'm always, I'm always quoting Creepshow. Yeah. Like, you know, can we swear on here? I don't, I don't have a can problem I swear? with it. I don't have a oh, problem right, with right. it. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how decent we're keeping it. But uh, when when he touches that and and then he gets like your finger or whatever and he goes meteor shit, I always <laughs> like I always I quote that and I also like where's my cake right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that, I, I I'm constantly not constantly but I, I, every once in a while I'll quote that movie because I've always been a fan. Mm-hmm. And and from part two, you know, thanks for the ride, lady. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing that the thing that uh, I I think the thing that I really noticed it occurred to me that uh, watching it again this year um, that Leslie Nielsen in the uh, something to tide me over uh, short he is really he is really effective as the villain. I mean, not and yeah, there's there's a vein of dark humor to his character, of course, but I mean that was after. Airplane had basically set a course for the rest of his career. And the fact oh, that he oh. could go to with, you know, King and Romero and play this uh really, you know, this this bad guy, this villain that's really, really disturbing, um, was is really kind of this. impressive considering the fact that he was so well known for a different type of movie and airplane by that point. Oh yeah. He was, he was a dramatic actor. He, you know, he was all over the Westerns and some, uh, oh, yeah. some war pictures back in the day. And it was Leslie Nielsen, the, the dramatic actor. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and here comes the Zucker brothers. Wait. Yeah. Zucker's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> I just drew a blank. Sorry. My, my brain said Zucker's. And <laughs> when it came out of my mouth, my brain's like, huh? <laughs> anyways yeah along came them and changed his the the last 25 years of his life yeah yeah basically give or take a few years but mm-hmm. yeah he she was Mr. Magoo ugh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but oh, no yeah. I was I was a huge fan of I was a huge fan growing up of loving him because uh, my stepfather used to watch him he'd pop up in different westerns mm-hmm. a lot and and that's where I knew him from. And then, but I also I also saw Airplane long before that. And I was like, oh, that guy did a bunch of regular acting too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I absolutely I absolutely adore Leslie. Yeah. From you know the Dallas from Police Squad to the Naked Gun movies, and of course his 
like Spy Hard and all that mm-hmm. business. It was just fantastic. May you rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, uh, we're, before I get to, I mean, the, the last two movies I'll say that really stood out are ones that I should have watched by this time in my life. I don't know how I went my entire life without having seen them yet, but I mean, the, the two last ones for me, as far as the new, my favorite new films I'd seen. And I mean, I, a friend of mine actually called me out and said, I'm fairly certain we saw this in theaters. It's like. I don't remember watching it in theaters and how I don't remember it is would blow my mind uh, is American Werewolf in London and the Monster Squad. And I don't know how I went so long without seeing either of those, but I will never, I, I will never go with too long without seeing them again because both of them were absolutely fantastic and did everything that they wanted to do absolutely right. Those are great. Yeah, those movies are fantastic. <laughs> I have three left on my list of movies that I really enjoyed. Uh, I'm sorry if I cut you off. Are you? No, you're fine. I didn't mean to cut you're you. fine. Okay. Uh, first is a new movie by McGee that came out this last month on Netflix. It's called The Babysitter. Mm-hmm. It is. It's different. It sure is different. Uh, <laughs> teenagers, teenagers, basically trying to summon a demon to make to get grant their wishes, mm. and they need they need the blood of the innocent, which is the the kid that she's babysitting for. And <laughs> it's a it's fun. It's it, it's a fun it's a fun movie. But the two movies that I found to be the top of the top of the fifty were first were was uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Okay. John I, Goodman is amazing. He, his performance in that deserves deserves uh, something. Yeah, he deserves some kind of award because that. <laughs> have you you've seen it, right? I've seen it. I I didn't love it quite as much as you did. I I did think the uh, stuff, the stuff with them in the uh, Fallout shelter was definitely was definitely the best stuff and the best part of that movie. And I agree with oh. you. John Goodman was absolutely tremendous in that movie. Um, yeah. I, but yeah, I ultimately it's like I I enjoyed it. I but I didn't quite have as much love for it as you did. Uh, the, the the shelter stuff was, was phenomenal. It, it was akin to misery mm-hmm. uh, to me. He, John Goodman was Kathy Bates, but the way John Goodman like pulled off that performance, the the, the dictation and his words, you know, it's just not, it wasn't John Goodman. It was this, this creepo, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this weird guy he looked out for. And of course they had uh, Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I can't think of her name. Off Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, you got it. There yeah. you go. Uh, she is Ramona Flowers to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she did a great job too. And, uh, and a lot of people who've talked about uh, trying to keep it spoiler free, but um, the aliens at the end because mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a Cloverfield, it is a Cloverfield movie. And I heard that it was originally written not as a Cloverfield movie, and they yeah. added that stuff at the end yeah. to uh, tie it um, into. But it. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. With, I'm okay with it. I I thought it was, it was like like whoa, the dude was kind of right. Mm-hmm. You know, John Goodman was kind of right. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was like, man, that's cool. And then it becomes like, it becomes something else. And, and I kind of enjoyed the the turn, and and not a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. A lot of people enjoyed it for what it was in the shelter. When but when outside the shelter, people were just like, oh, it ruins it all. And I'm like, no, that is cool. That was awesome. I enjoyed that a lot. And my final like, this one would like if I had to give an award to the best movie out of the fifty I watched, it would be this one. It's a South Korean film from 2016. It's a zombie film, and it's called Train to Busan. Hmm. And that that movie is one hell of a ride. It's an emotional roller coaster. I can't watch. I can't wait to watch it again. Like I'm probably gonna watch it again within the next week with uh, my girlfriend, my fiance. Well, we got engaged this last October, like yes. ten days ago, twelve days. Ago. Yes, um, congratulations, by the way. Oh yeah, thank you. I didn't think. This old horror movie schlub would wind up with a, with one of the fiancés, let alone a good-looking one. 
<laughs> Anyways, the uh, with Train to Busan, it, it made me cry, man. It it had me, and it had me like my my hand was over my mouth at the end. There's a, there's a there's a moment where like I was like, oh god, no. It's it's one of those movies. If you have you have you heard of it or have you seen it? I I can't say that I have. I mean, I know I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah, I I can't I can't remember whether I'd actually heard of it or not. It's on Netflix right now. Okay. Um, and I say do yourself a favor. If you if you can find two hours and you're like, I want to watch a movie and I don't know what, and obviously you're okay with subtitles, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting bad. My, my vision's getting bad. So I had to watch it by myself because I have to, uh, I have to pause it almost every sentence, mm-hmm. almost every sentence. But this movie, is, there's a lot of action, so it, it, it plays through. But it, do yourself a favor and, and watch it, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about it, because this was the diamond of all the the garbage, the okay, the mediocre, the, the, the good, the great. This one this one stands atop all of them. And, and it, it probably, I didn't want to be uh, rushed to judgment and put it in my top 10 favorite horror of all time, mm-hmm. but it, I can see it becoming there. Yeah. Becoming a part of it. So, yeah, it's it's a beautiful film. It's shot beautifully. It's, man, I can't, I can't praise it enough. I really can't. Mm-hmm. But, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rage zombie. So, you know, it's not like slow walkers. Okay. It's like, it's like 20 Ritter Rage Zombies, but a little bit, a little bit pumped up a little more. All right. But yeah, anybody out there listening, go and, and you're okay with subtitles because a lot of people are like, I don't want to read a movie. I don't want to read a movie. <laughs> I'd read the book. But yeah, just, just uh, sorry to your listeners. You just made fun of them. I heard their <laughs> but, but there are some people out there that, that refuse, that refuse to, to watch a movie because it has subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think I think that that's uh, this movie is worth a watch, unbelievably so. So, out of all the out of all the ones, that one that one takes a cake. Medalia. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely have to uh, check that out on Netflix uh, at some point. Um, and I'll even try to get to it. Uh, I'll probably try to get to it, um sometime in the next couple months, depending on how crazy my uh schedule is that's it for part one of my uh october uh discussion of horror films with marv dickey it's going a bit longer than we expected so we're actually splitting this up into two uh part two we will be discussing our respective 10 favorite horror movies of all time lists and so i hope you enjoy that and uh for now uh, this is Brian Scuttle for the Sonic Cinema Podcast. I'll see you on part two.
Thank you.